0: welcome back to the act two podcast a podcast for the real life working screenwriter i'm tasha hugh
1: and i'm josh hallman
0: and <laughs> i'm not a big fan of the episode today but uh, i'm sure it'll be fine uh, but no please this is remember, be great <laughs> uh please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our topics that are upcoming we do really cool stuff we watch movies and analyze the writing behind it, what makes these masterful movies masterful. We bring in guests who talk about their experiences as real screenwriters and the obstacles that they faced, um, screenwriting structure. We do all of it. So please subscribe and then you won't miss out. Also, you can give us a rating, write a comment. Hopefully it's good. But if it's bad, that's okay too. Be honest. That's what (laughs) we ask. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's what tasha asks yes
0: uh if you'd rather dm us you can uh send us questions any topic suggestions you have or you just want to you know say hi so you can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com and that's all spelled out or on our instagram at act2writers you can also find me tasha on instagram at story thursday or on twitter at tasha 3.0
1: And me, Josh, on Instagram at Josh Hallman and Twitter, Joshua Hallman. Tasha, are you ready for today?
0: I'm cautiously optimistic.
1: I can barely sit still over here. I've been just waiting. So here's what happened. You and I were going to do an episode about Ted Lasso. Yeah. A universally loved show on Apple. I was excited about that episode. Right. And then (laughs) something crazy happened today there was finally an announcement that you are going to be writing the new Red Sonja film. Yeah. Which is awesome. And on top of that, you are currently showrunning the Tomb Raider animation show. Yeah. So there's been a lot of shit going on and for whatever reason you have been avoiding discussing any of this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't we like always talk ta- about myself. <laughs> We always talk about it on the podcast or we, I always bring it up like, oh, we should do an episode of how this happened. Like, where how did we get here, Tasha? And um, you're like, nah, nah. But as it turned out, today some news was released. It's happening today. So it's a Tasha-centric episode where we figure out how this all happened.
0: <laughs> how the hell? <laughs> Did this happen?
1: (laughs) What the fuck were they (laughs) thinking? What mistakes were
0: made (laughs) along the way?
1: (laughs) So let's begin with, can you explain to us what both Tomb Raider is and Red Sonia?
0: Yes. So Tomb Raider is an animated series through Netflix's anime division. So it specifically has kind of an animated style. It's it's meant to um, both kind of look anime, but also really respect the sort of culture around anime but trying to bring it into the Western audience. Because I think there are some things that a lot of Western audiences find very distancing about anime that they just can't access for some reason. There just is a cultural difference, I think, between anime and then traditional Western cartoons. So Netflix is really trying to bridge that gap with the Western audiences. So they have this new anime department. So shows like Castlevania and Blood of Zeus, the new um, Masters of the Universe He-Man show that's all coming through this new anime division. So Tomb Raider is also part of this, and it is based on the amazing best ever video game series of all time, Tomb Raider, starring Lara Croft.
1: Yeah, you you love Tomb Raider.
0: I love it so much.
1: I'm thinking the format of how this episode is going to go. I think we should focus on Tomb Raider first and then go to Red Sonia.
0: Okay. I'll try i mean i i'm i'm completely unprepared i'm coming into this with no notes which is very difficult for me so this is in your hands
1: i have some questions and i was going to send you the questions but then i thought to myself <laughs> i know how uncomfortable you're going to be without having the questions and i was like you know what Fuck the questions. I'm just gonna ask her. She she's gonna know what's going on. You'd like to see me
0: just squirm and uh, like I'm gonna overheat here.
1: I want I want authentic (laughs) answers. Okay, so how did you get the Tomb Raider job?
0: It's actually a really long process. So I know the producer who ended up bringing me in for the job, Jacob Robinson at Tractor Pants. Hi, Jacob. He's probably listening. Uh, so i i've known him for a long time like since i was still i think an assistant at universal cousin pete i believe is the one who first got me a meeting with jacob
1: interesting he was
0: at a completely other company and we hit it off jacob's awesome and then just over the years we just kind of stayed facebook friends kind of stayed in touch he ended up with Tractor Pants, his new company that focuses really on on animation. And he has a deal at Legendary. And so as he got this deal, I, I met with him there to just reconnect, see what he was working on. And, you know, he wanted to see what I was working on. So it's basically just a, another general to catch up. And he kind of mentioned this property that he was aiming for that he knew mm-hmm. I really, really loved. So he just wanted to kind of put it on my radar that this was something that was coming down the pipeline for his company and would I be interested? And I, I'm i sure you you knowing me and my love for Tomb Raider can, can guess how that went. I was like, well, fuck yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, please well, put me on that list.
1: So wait a minute, was this in person or was this uh, in the 2020 Zoom world?
0: No, this was before the world ended. So this was in person, it was lovely.
1: When you were sitting down with him, did you play it cool? And you were like, oh, I like Tomb Raider.
0: Probably not.
1: Or were you like, Jacob, fuck, dude, I love Tomb Raider.
0: That sounds about right. Okay. I'm not really capable of playing it super cool. Just cool is not really a word used to (laughs) define me. (laughs) But also when you're talking <laughs> about Tomb Raider, I am going to get visibly excited. So yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, obviously put me up for that. What was interesting is it took a long time for the right the, the deals for the the deal for the rights to close. So I actually went about my life and did other things, including pitching for the Tomb Raider movie, the live action movie, which was we've talked about this uh, pitch actually on the podcast a couple times because it was kind of a big life changing pitch for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: that kind of changed the way I pitched and thought about pitching and thought about getting jobs. So life was happening, in other words, from when Jacob mentioned it to me to when he was like, Tasha, I now have the rights. It's time to start pitching. And I think it was one of those wait, 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 wait and then hurry up situations Mm -hmm. where it took a long time to get the rights. And then as soon as the rights were were got, it was time to pitch really fast. Um, But thankfully, I had been thinking about this story for a long time because he had brought it up so long ago. And I already like knowing Lara so well and knowing what I would want to see in a show. I sort of already knew (laughs) the show that I wanted to tell and was able to put a pitch together fairly quickly and i pitched to him first and then i think it was him and one of the other producers i pitched to them first they then gave me notes on the pitch which is pretty typical that you'll have a kind of pre-pitch scenario and when yeah. we talk about Red Sonya, that was actually a similar case there so i had a pre-pitch scenario with them where they're like okay this is great and that was the, that was sort of their time too to be like whoa tasha's completely off her rocker we cannot send her up yeah. the chain but turns out They liked the pitch, had a couple notes, I addressed them, and then like the following week actually pitched to Netflix and Crystal Dynamics, which is the video game company.
1: Okay. Were you pitching against other people?
0: Yes. I was told pretty much upfront that there were only a handful of people pitching, which... Is great. That's always the best case scenario, right? You don't want to be told that it's open season. There's you know ten to twenty people pitching. It was much smaller, so the ch- the chances of me getting the job were much higher. But it also, to me, told me that they were going for a very specific kind of storyteller. Like the the producers kind of knew what lane they wanted to be in. If they were kind of handpicking the writers they wanted to be doing this job. Does that make sense?
1: I think so. So. That lane being kind of your vision on Laura. Are we sure it's not Laura? Are we sure How everyone's pronouncing her name incorrectly all this time?
0: <laughs> Laura with a U. <laughs> Laura.
1: Laura. <laughs> Laura. I don't even know if I can say that without my Wisconsin accent. <laughs> I mean, I
0: think they knew they wanted a woman's perspective, really. Someone who was a, a great fan of animation think that was really important and someone who had a, a true love of the game not just because they know the game and like the mythology of the game but someone who could speak to sort of what she means as this female action icon in the world yeah and I think they they tended to pick people who you could tell that they grew up with the game and that it meant something important to them which meant that they then had something to say about Lara Croft and Tomb Raider so I think handpicking is like such a great way to do it if with an IP like this because you're going to get you know if you pick four people you're gonna have four really strong takes that are probably very different because the way that Lara Croft affected me is probably different the way than the way someone else grew up with Lara Croft so that's what I mean about them handpicking um and why I feel like it was kind of important or interesting at least yeah
1: you had a, a very specific vision of what you wanted the story yes. you want to tell and then did you have parameters of the story because i know i don't know i don't know how much we can talk about the netflix series but it takes place in a certain time period in like the life of croft right
0: yeah so obviously the video games expand sort of this huge life where you have what they call classic lara which is the early games from the 90s around then where she's got the triangle boobs and the tiny shorts and she just kills people indiscriminately
1: M- moment of silence
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh god let's move over that moment real fast no, i'm kidding i'm <laughs> kidding i was a kid i was
1: like uh what i don't even remember how old i was but that's the the, the croft singed into my head
0: yeah as it is for most boys i think and then you have the, the current reboot, which started in 2013, which is like a trilogy where they re envision Lara Croft as a more realistic human being, and we're, we're, we're learning her origin story over the course of those three games. I can't say where I picked up with her, but I think I picked up with her at a really cool spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It sounds like it was the right spot. So to watch your show, do you have to have a vast knowledge of the games? And the you movies.
0: absolutely should not have to have a vast knowledge of the games or the movies. You could come into this show without having seen either, and you should be perfectly fine. That is my cool. hope.
1: All right. So you do the pitch. You get higher and higher up in the, in the ranks. Like, how many pitches did you do?
0: I think only two.
1: Yeah. And this was over Zoom, the pitch?
0: Yes. The pitches were all over Zoom.
1: Did you have any visuals for the pitch?
0: I did not but and it was mostly because the the big final pitch my second pitch was to like 10 people there were so many little boxes on the screen yeah and it would have terrified me I think to do visuals during the actual pitch just yeah who knows what technological problem could happen so what I did instead was I actually sent a visual kind of pitch deck after the pitch that I honestly yeah. didn't expect anyone to pay attention to unless they liked my pitch and wanted to learn more. So it was it was a very brief summary of my pitch uh, that took the place over like maybe four cards of visuals with just like a headline basically. Gotcha. And then I went a little bit deeper on the mythology that I was pitching through visuals and then... Also had some animation references, because to me, the animation and the style we were going for, the look and feel of it was really important to the story I wanted to tell. And so I had a section in my pitch deck that was, hey, this is what I'm thinking for the animation.
1: Oh, wow. Can you tell us what the reference was?
0: It was a whole section. It was like maybe seven or eight cards of different visuals.
1: All right. Was there one more uh like influential than the others
0: no it was more it was less like here's a show i want to model it after and more literally like this is a look and feel like these are images of like character designs that i find really interesting of women who are doing some kind of action pose here's like the world because in tomb raider the world is very important so i also wanted to convey The look and feel of the world I was intending, because Mm -hmm. that can be very different. I think for everyone who comes into pitch, what they view as the look and feel.
1: Yeah, how long was your pitch?
0: It's a good question. I think it was. It probably clocked in around 22 minutes or so. Wow!
1: And did you just pitch the pilot, or did you pitch the entire season?
0: Pitch the whole show. I mean, I have found, anyways, for pitching for TV, you focus on the pilot but you also want to give a feel for the whole show and I think particularly for for this one they definitely wanted to see what the show is going to look like from week to week what is the Lara Croft journey that we're yeah. on
1: so would you say you're like 12 minutes of the pitch was on the pilot the rest was on what the season looked like and then what the future of Tomb Raider looks like
0: I feel like the first five minutes might have been what I love about Tomb Raider, why it's so important to me.
1: Okay, and okay.
0: My vision for her. <laughs> the next, between five and 10 minutes, was probably the pilot. And the rest was me talking about the season. And then, somewhere in there, sorry, before the pilot, I actually also talked about the importance of the animation which was a whole other section as well. That took about a minute or so oh, Okay. Oh, yeah, five to 10 for the pilot. And then the rest was the rest of the season.
1: Did you think I was going to be going this deep on the questions?
0: I didn't know what to expect, Joshua.
1: Okay. How's it going so far?
0: I'm still terrified.
1: Okay. So you do the pitch, you're 22 minutes of glory. You finish, you close your computer. You're like, holy shit. I just finished pitching tomb Raider. And then how many days before you find out you actually got it, the job? And what happened? Take us through, like, what the fuck happens then? You get an email. You get a phone call from your agent. You get a phone call from Jacob.
0: Uh, I get a phone call from Jacob saying, hey, you did a great job. Everyone loved it. You really responded to the character story. You did great. It's like okay
1: that's it yeah
0: i mean he was effusive but also like i'm very insecure and always prepared for failure and so it's like (laughs) all right cool (laughs) thanks jacob (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll never talk again
1: (laughs) damn it (laughs) <laughs> oh No, man. here's the
0: thing. I knew I did my best. I knew I pitched the show that I would watch the hell out of and that, yeah. that made me happy that I just presented the best thing that I could possibly present on a thing I love so, so much. And so whether I got it or not, I knew I, I did what I needed to do. And I kind of let it go after that. I was excited and hopeful because I thought that I did a really good job, but I've also thought I did a really good job on other pitches that I have yeah. not gotten. So you just never know.
1: All right, so and we're gonna start jumping into Red Sony in a second, but all, I, I think it's actually really important, like in the pitch to kind of come in with your own vision and you have to live and die by it because if you, we've talked about this a bunch, but if you start trying to do what you think someone wants, it's never gonna go well.
0: Yeah, I would say that this pitch sort of above all, because again, it was a property that I loved so much and felt like I knew like the back of my hand. I definitely came in with a really strong point of view of what I wanted to do with the character, what I wanted to do with the story overall, what the world looked like, et cetera. To the point where like if they didn't want that vision, then like they knew they knew to pass immediately. There's definitely no doubt that. When we left the meeting they would know i had a specific vision for this that was hopefully unique from other people's and i think that that's what i'm finding now now as i'm like looking at writers to hire etc it really does become all about point of view versus honestly like the competency of a script it's like do they have a perspective on this do they yeah. have something interesting to say and where is the passion coming from and I think I had all of those things in this pitch it was just a perfect marriage
1: perfect all right then you got the call you got the job now you show running Tomb Raider
0: yeah now I'm showrunning running Tomb Raider writing scripts and outlines and casting and we're doing it
1: yeah you're casting Animation, which is just sounds fucking crazy. So, we're about to segue. We're jumping into the other thing because your hands are full. You're writing Tomb Raider, but you're, I know you, so you always have everything under control. You have a perfect agenda for what you're going to do from boom, 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 like hour to hour. It's amazing. (laughs) And today happens Hmm. where there's an announcement that you're writing Red Sonya. Yeah. Who the fuck is Red Sonia? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm good. Kidding. I, I know.
0: <laughs> Wait, I'm actually curious now. Do you know before this? Like, did you know who Red Sonia was?
1: Oh no, not a clue. Not until you started to work on it, <laughs> until we talked about it. And then what actually shocked me even more was when you were like, there was a movie and Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it, and I was like what with red Sonia? <laughs> i feel like i should have like at least known a little bit about this but
0: yeah it was I an know early nothing. arnold and it was very high fantasy which i don't feel like is super your genre yeah so yeah red Sonia is a comic book character who is this barbarian that lives in kind of a, f- a fake ancient kind of primordial world
1: a fake and ancient primordial world yeah okay okay she lives in
0: this land called Hyrcania, and if you know conan the barbarian which i feel like most people do you can conjure an image of like a mostly naked arnold schwarzenegger in your head wearing like a loincloth and a giant sword so she lives in that world they actually share the same world so But Red Sonia is the female version of that, and traditionally she is drawn with a chainmail bikini, which I think is also what makes her popular. The same way that Lara Croft's tiny shorts make her popular.
1: Okay, keep going.
0: But in the latest reboot of Red Sonia, written by, by Gail Simone, it's fantastic. If you haven't read it, you should read it. Just even if you don't like fantasy, she's just a fantastic superhero in this new reboot. where She's very feminist. She's very confident. She owns who she is in a way that you can tell it's written by a woman. And I just fell in love with that comic. Mm-hmm. I love fantasy, in case you haven't noticed that already. And I love female-driven action stories. Perfect marriage, again.
1: A perfect, another perfect marriage. Okay, so <laughs> how did you get the meeting? What happened?
0: So this one is interesting. So this one, as, as the announcement says, this one has been around for a long time, like a decade. And in early Tasha career, I pitched on this at Millennium. Mm-hmm. Because again, it was right up my alley. My reps knew it was up my alley. But I didn't yet have the skill set, I think, to really nail this movie. And I didn't get the job. And it was a huge bummer. And I really liked what I came up with. And it's always sort of stuck with me. And then cut to, you know, 10 years later. (laughs) Um, Wait, did Cousin
1: cousin Pete get that initial pitch for you?
0: might have been cousin p or gersh i can't remember to be completely honest with you
1: time time flies man how it came about yeah okay
0: it might have been also because i knew an executive there at the time we had actually come up together as assistants and so i I think the job came up as like an open writing assignment and he was like, oh, Tasha, do you want to come in? I think like that also came into play. So I had an ally at the company who was able to sort of spy for me in a way and, and make it known that they were looking for a writer. So I didn't get the job back then. They've done, you know, a lot of development on this and just couldn't quite get it right. They changed directors, finally landed on Joey Soloway, who did Transparent. And then I was brought into pitch. And this came through my agents, because I think process is important. So Millennium called Gersh to say, this is the assignment. We wanna find a female writer who writes in this genre fantasy space, who writes strong female action characters. Do you have anyone? And that pretty much defines me. (laughs) And so my agents said, you should read Tasha. And I had kind of the perfect sample for it, where I had just written a pilot that was a female-driven fantasy pilot that was very grounded in history. And that's those two things is what got me read by the executive. And the executive said he read a lot of different writers, all of them women. And I mean, we're talking dozens and dozens of writers in a desperate attempt to really find the right voice for this. And I was, one of several writers I I don't remember how many went up for the job but at that stage I was up against dozens and dozens of people and now I was up against again probably a handful yeah and the the pitch originally was to this executive and I think his his boss and then after I got their notes again it was a similar thing as with Tomb Raider I went and pitched to everybody including Joey her team and then Bunch of people at Millennium, the people who own the rights to the comic book, sort of a bunch of, again, it was like a huge screen of a bunch of different people.
1: All right. So you do the pitch. And then how long was that pitch?
0: I think all my pitches tend to be between 20 to 24 minutes. Yeah. I can never get it below that. And I try very hard to not have it above that. So it was was still in that sweet range. And I also added, actually did share a visual component to that one live in the pitch, because that feels important when it's a big world that you're building and very specific take on what the character should look and feel like, which was a part of my point of view of this movie. I felt I needed to show a visual deck, which I was kind of nervous about because you're pitching to a director and traditionally you hand that completely over to the director and that's kind of not your job. But again, it felt like it was important to my point of view of the story I wanted to tell that I show you like the grittiness of the world I wanted to tell and the like the version of... Red Sonya that I wanted to maintain so I just wanted to be very clear about the the, the version I wanted to write and that's also how I, I approached that pitch it wasn't what do they want to hear from me it was what is the version of this Red Sonja movie and comic book adaptation that I really love what does that look like to me and you can kind of take it or leave it but that's the story I want to tell
1: so you pitch find out you get the job yeah and I guess What's ironic, by the way, is that, like, your career took a pretty good turn into television. And we've been talking about how awesome TV is, even though I write features. And (laughs) now you're back into the feature world. It's like there's no getting out.
0: I love movies. Movies are my first love anyways. So I feel like I will never give up features. Yeah. And the beauty of actually how the business works is that... You can have a career in both pretty easily. And I, what I mean by easily is that you could have five deals in television. So, you know, some things in first position, some things in second position, three, four, five. You have five projects set up that you're over there, but they don't have to know about or care about your feature projects. Like they're so, they're considered so separate just in the deal making process that. Yeah they don't conflict so i could do five movies right now while running tomb reader and it doesn't matter <laughs> if that makes sense but i couldn't go start a new show somewhere and start running another room because that conflicts because they're both tv
1: yeah that's really interesting so basically you can do as much as both but you, you can do multiple features while doing tv
0: yeah technically the two businesses are kind of different so they they don't overlap. You know Netflix who has hired me isn't worried if I go off and do Red Sonia because that's a movie. If I went off to do Red Sonia the TV show they'd be like whoa whoa, whoa wait a second yeah, you can't stop. have two TV projects at the same time.
1: Man this is so crazy so first of all it's not like this came easy because there was a lot of hard work into Tomb Raider and Red yeah. Sonia. like a lot of time has passed but there weren't any major bumps in the road. Well I guess with Red Sonia, there was the pass initial yeah
0: there's the initial pass and i thought i would never ever get to write in that world ever really yeah i mean pass you move on you get people like brian singer was attached to direct like brian singer's not gonna want to hire little old me who's done nothing
1: i don't know about that well something that is interesting is that you didn't use visuals for tomb raider but you used them for red sonja because it feels like you would were you just more nervous for tomb raider
0: no i was probably more confident with tomb raider
1: damn um that oh maybe that's why
0: maybe that's maybe that's why with red Sonia, you're coming from a character who typically wears a chainmail bikini and i wanted to be very clear what my red Sonia looked like which was not this like overly sexualized red Sonia. and on top of that tomb raider takes place in our world, technically, so you know she goes to ancient Egypt or she goes to ancient Greece or wherever she's going around the world. You are able to understand that when I pitch it to you. Versus Red Sonia takes place in imaginary Hyrcania, so I have to show you what my version of that world looks like. I think that's why
1: there you I go. insisted
0: on pitching the visuals.
1: That makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I feel like that's like kind of the takeaway. What you know because you know, you're going to find yourself pitching. You're going to find yourself in the similar position that you were just in. And it's like, you're showing the path. I think I've covered all the major stuff. What I want to know now is how are you going to react to the fans who hate everything? (laughs) Even if it's great, what are you going to do? All right. When are you going to get off Twitter and... (laughs) When when are you going to make everything private? And when are we going to stop telling people to follow your Instagram on the the Act 2 podcast?
0: This might be an ongoing problem we
1: continue to face. It's crazy because you've entered the world where even if you make the greatest possible thing, Hmm. you're not going to make everyone happy.
0: That's true. But also, I want to say I'm really surprised that the world, when they found out about Tomb Raider... There was like no bad comments anywhere, which is shocking because what I expected was for at least half of the comments to be like, why are they fucking with this amazing, uh, you know, IP, like they're just going to mess it up by doing a show. And instead, everyone was like, this is cool. And anime, animated series is exactly what it should be. And oh my God, I can't wait for this kind of connective tissue and for the world to continue in a different way. And that was really unexpected for me. I expected a lot of hate. That's not to say there's not gonna be a lot of hate after people see my show and it's not what they (laughs) want.
1: No, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be fucking awesome. I already know it's gonna be awesome. If anyone knows any of the stuff you write, you know it's gonna be like a badass experience.
0: I appreciate that, Josh, that confidence.
1: What could go wrong? (laughs)
0: Oh, God. Knock on wood. All of the wood. No, I know.
1: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's gonna be fucking awesome. So,
0: Also, by the way... Can I just say, I expect you to fight for me if, uh, there's a battle on Twitter. I expect you to step in.
1: (laughs) I always step out of these things. I never get involved, but this mark, my words will be the (laughs) fucking first time. I'm like, yo, wait a minute. Hang on. (laughs) Fucking John three, three, six, seven, four, (laughs) two. Shut up, man. (laughs) Yeah. That'll be really exciting. We should be able we should do an entire podcast with like Twitter comments.
0: Yeah, well like read all the Twitter hate the way that they do it, whatever show that is. Whatever late yeah. night show they read, the Twitter comments.
1: It's gonna be great. And then Red Sonia, <laughs> it's gonna be great as well. It's a new it's a brave new world. I feel like Batman begins, like, changed all of superheroes in the sense of like that gritty tone, you know, like the the Chris Nolan kind of cracked open things. And I'm not saying you wouldn't have done this without Chris Nolan, but I feel like that really paved the way where it's like, Oh, this is not what it is, but Batman Begins, but with Red Sonia. Yeah, I don't know. If I that's mean, what I it definitely
0: is. feel like it allowed people to see, like it opened people's eyes to what superhero movies could be, which are serious character dramas, and that's ultimately the stories that I love to tell, that are just set in these fantastical, amazing worlds. Are character journeys that are extremely relatable, and it's interesting because you don't really think of Red Sonia. And think of oh that's a relatable character journey, but that's ultimately what I pitched and what I found interesting, and hopefully that's the movie we all see one day.
1: We we're going to all right. I think that's pretty much all of my questions. I just wanted to discuss the process, yeah. how this came to be, and I feel like it's just been this big fucking elephant in the room that you've been working on these things, <laughs> and we talk about writing, but we never actually address the stuff that you've you've had a great you know, 2020 to 2021 and I think we, we had to talk about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think what's cool about, about it and how it applies to this podcast is I think a lot of the questions that we talk about and the obstacles that we face are just really enhanced when you're a showrunner, and it's interesting to see it play out and like the lessons that are learned in this process because process is everything and learning from other people's process is everything and yeah so yeah i'm i'm happy i guess that it's out in the open so that we can talk about process in a more honest way yeah i guess
1: definitely well (laughs) (laughs) you're like i don't want to talk about it i i don't want to talk about myself
0: that thing i'm doing over there
1: it is process but i think like the big takeaway and we always talk about this but it's just so easy to forget is just to have your vision like you yeah. have to have a vision as a creative as a writer because that's what separates you
0: yeah and i think too a big lesson which is is it feels like it's such a big lesson that it's something we'll continue to talk about but it's this idea that we all want to one day be showrunners whether or not you're working in tv or not you ultimately want to to be in the spot of a showrunner, someone who is at such a a caliber of writer, features or TV, that your vision is accepted, it's listened to, and people are excited by it and paying you to do it. And it's interesting because when we first start out as a writer, you're at such a different point than where you are as a showrunner in terms of like confidence level, in terms of the way that you try to get jobs and whatnot. And it's been a huge lesson as a showrunner to be like, oh yeah, if I had started much earlier in my career, thinking of myself as a boss and like treating my work that way and treating the meetings I went into that way, I feel like I would have sort of cut the line a little bit that this might have happened sooner and mm-hmm. we talked about my my pitch for the live action Tomb reader where my big lesson was you pitch like you're trying to get a job versus pitching your version of the movie and i'm like that was the big turning point for me and i think this is yet another of those turning points where it's like yeah if you had just have kind of done that earlier you might might have got more jobs earlier i guess nah,
1: but it's all you know I know I always go down this road, but it's all meant to be for a very specific reason. If you would have gotten the Red Sonya job earlier, maybe things wouldn't have worked out the way that, you know. I would have
0: bombed it, they, it, and then no one would want to work have. with me. Yeah.
1: yeah, who knows? We're in a different climate. There's, you can do a lot more, and it all works for a reason.
0: I am of that mind as well, so I agree with you.
1: Tasha, is there anything else we need to cover about yourself?
0: I'm the last person to ask that question too. <laughs> do
1: do you feel good about this episode
0: i don't know if it's helpful for anyone what which is the objective so hopefully it was helpful
1: i think it was very helpful okay help helpful okay. to like put a fucking story behind what's going on here
0: <laughs> how about you i mean you said you have been wanting to talk about it uh how do you feel this episode went
1: i feel great because I feel like it's, I feel like when things happen to people, one of the first reactions to people who don't know someone else is like, "How did this happen?" Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, did she get the job of Red Sonia because you now have Tomb Raider? Did right. you know? And like these things, I, I think what people a lot of times, what myself didn't, I didn't know, years and years ago, is that it takes like a lot of time and work and connections and grinding out and bad pitches and failed pitches and failed meetings to stay on people's radar. And, you know, it's, it's all these things kind of come together. So I think it was helpful in the sense of like, yeah, how the, how did this happen?
0: Yeah. I think actually that's an important aspect is, so this announcement came out today in the Hollywood reporter about, Oh, Tasha's writing showrunner of Tomb Raider is writing Red Sonia, And I think, as, as someone, if I step away and I'm reading that article, I think, yeah, exactly that. Like, this person got this job because they're showrunning Tomb Raider and everything's just snowballing for them. And they're just, like, lucky. And, uh, oh, God, like, I, I'll never be able to have that. And that's yeah. absolutely not true because as, as you were trying to push for it, like, the timeline of this was such that I actually pitched on Red Sonia before Tomb Raider, got the job before Tomb Raider, and it just sort of... It it happened out of sync to what the article feels like it's trying to say. So I think that's important because as a writer, I have read plenty of these announcements myself and have been really disheartened that I couldn't I can't build that kind of momentum or whatever the case might be. But that's it's not about that it's like i worked super hard to get the red Sony job i failed the first time i ended up you know working really hard again and getting it the second time and then the tomb raider theme came because of a previous relationship that i worked hard to build and it's just everything coming to- together over the course of many many years
1: there we go that's it i feel like your life has gotten better since i brought you back into the house of slytherin
0: I'm not fully accepted.
1: <laughs> I, I, I this can sense switch. it. <laughs> um, I've got the quote of the day. Watch my shows and watch my movies and don't give me shit. Tasha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a
1: lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, all right. So here's the quote of the day. I feel like it relates to everything that we've talked about. There is no greater agony than burying an untold story inside of you. Maya Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use that quote. It has to be something else.
0: <laughs> no, it's done. That's what it is now.
1: <laughs> oh. All right. Like Maya Angelo. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> Please remember to rate and subscribe. Uh, follow us at Act Two Writers for really cool writing stuff you can follow me Tasha at story Thursday on Instagram
1: yeah who cares about me just go congratulate (laughs) Tasha
0: uh don't hassle me please I'm very fragile um or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0 Josh
1: who cares about me just go talk to (laughs) Tasha go congratulate her
0: All right, well, as always, the Act Two Podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414BEG, which you can find on Spotify.